everyone, welcome to the Filipino American Ministry Podcast. I'm Henrik and with my co-host Aaron, and we're interviewing Bethel Bumanglag Webb. She was born in Manila, raised in Luwag City, Philippines. She earned her BA in Social Sciences from UP Baguio and an MA from in Biblical Counseling and a doctorate in Education at Southern Seminary. She's the full-time Soul Care Director at Graceland Church in New Albany, Indiana, and she lives in Louisville, Kentucky with her husband, Kevin. So Bethel, it's uh, so great to finally have you on here and glad you can join us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. About time. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after a long a time talking. Yeah, so first we want to ask you to share your story, like share about your how you came to faith, and also can you share what led to your current ministries at Soul Care and the Grow Deep podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up with two parents who dedicated their lives to fulfilling the Great Commission. And yes, if you didn't catch that, that's very crew or Campus Crusade for Christ. So that's where my um, my life revolved around uh, evangelism, discipleship. Uh, uh, my dad is a, he still is a, a church planner. He so far helped plant um, 17 plus churches in uh, northern Philippines. And so I grew up just having that lifestyle. Um, and my dad also, and my, both my parents are also connected to um, a seminary of Campus Crusade. Uh, it's International Graduate School of Leadership in Manila. And what they did was they brought the seminary to um, the pastors in Loag City, Ilocos Norte, and the surrounding cities. And so uh, I came to Christ at six, year, six years old. And uh, of course, in true crew fashion, my mom used the four spiritual laws, so what we call the yellow booklet, um, <laughs> to share the gospel yeah. to me. Um, and I remember that day uh, that I prayed the prayer. Uh, I, we were, I, I think I just woke up or something, and they just sprung it on me. But I, I was already familiar with the gospel because I've heard it, you know, since I was a baby. Um, and so it was a very easy, it was, it was a, just a smooth transition. But as you both know, you both, uh, well, I don't know if Kuya Aaron grew up in a Christian home, but, um, you know, it's not always a straightforward path to just understanding the, the what the gospel means for everyday life. So my, um, elementary, high school, college life was not a smooth ride in terms of my walk with the Lord. I only really just started walking with the Lord when I was 19. And I had, I had a, I had a, um, I would say a, a trauma. And, uh, when I was younger, when I was a child and for the most part, I don't remember, um, which again was a, uh, is a significant part of my story, but that's for another podcast, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, that that impacted my understanding of the gospel, the way that I understand church, the way I understood myself. So when I was 19, I finally was like, um, I wasn't walking with the Lord, but I was pretending like I was walking with the Lord because as a pastor's kid, I had to do to be good at that. <laughs> and it wasn't just... You know, I was I was partying one day, like Saturday evening, and then leading worship the next day. 
So that's the type of lifestyle that I lived until I was 19 years old. And nobody really knew because I kept my friends pretty separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but finally at 19, God was like, enough is enough. Uh, I need you to be real with yourself. And so I met with a counselor, a biblical counselor, um, and she kind of helped me walk through the trauma and processing um you know kind of consolidating all my experiences my understanding of the gospel and while i was going through my own counseling process which lasted for two years i was like i want to do this and there's not a lot of christian or biblical counselors in the philippines um and so i looked around i first looked at igsl naturally um, international graduate school of leadership they don't have a biblical counseling program so i looked outside of the philippines which is here in the u.s and i found southern seminary um so i pursued uh you know left everything behind at age 23 or 22 23 um into in 2015 left my parents teary-eyed um i'm an only child so it was very difficult for my parents to let me go um (laughs) and i pursued a master's in biblical counseling and with the intention of going back to the philippines after my program but god had other plans um after my master's a couple of people encouraged me and and it also made sense to me to continue on my doctorate because I love teaching and I know that people back home would ask me to teach. But I also know that I had know nothing about teaching. Nothing. Don't know how to make a syllabus. Don't know how to look at a curriculum and make sense of all of it. So I was just like, listen, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that people made of just being thrown under the bus because, you know, they're the one who's articulate and knows a lot of things and they were... Now they're the teachers, you know, they're well-meaning, but I wanted the education. So I proceeded to do my um, doctor of education. And then here I am. That's what I'm I'm currently doing as as a biblical counselor, as a Christian or biblical counselor. The counselors who are listening to this would understand why I'm kind of struggling with that, because um, they're two different things, I would say. So, yeah. Mm, Okay. And that... Yeah, and that's uh, at your church, right? Yes, yes. I'm working um, full-time at my church, which is a great gift, really. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, so how is your, when you came here, how is your, can you share about your adjustment here? Like, did you have a culture shock? (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Um, It it was so ironic because I learned about culture shock in college, so I I majored in social sciences, so I kind of, was very familiar with those concepts but I didn't really understand I didn't think that I was going to have culture shock because I've been to the U.S. before you know I've made multiple trips to the U.S. I know English yeah. you know I've spoken in all my life you know <clears throat> thanks Barney that the Barney the <laughs> dinosaur that's how I learned to speak English um, I just watched it over and over again um, and I was and I love school so I was like oh it's going to be a walk in the park. Yeah. It could not be more wrong. Um, I think the biggest culture shock for me was uh, the language, actually. I knew. The language? Yeah, the language. Because I only knew of academic English 
Because mm. for the most part, I only used English in school for writing papers, you know, like uh, presentations, um, reading, but I never really talked like this, like in conversation, conversational yeah. English. Mm-hmm. And so literally my friends would would um, make fun of me because I would say things like, I have arrived instead of saying, arrived. hey, I'm here. You know? <laughs> um, and then my accent, um, people wouldn't understand me because of my accent. They wouldn't? Uh, no. So I remember, Kuya Henrik, you probably would, would know what I'm talking about, but because um, you visited, have you visited Southern? Not yet. Yeah, yeah, I visited. Um, yeah, so um, my, yeah, so my classes were at Norton Hall. Uh, again, Norton Hall. Like, how do you? How would you say that in Filipino? Norton Hall. Norton, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for the building, and so I, I asked this guy who's, you know, who was walking around, and I said, "Excuse me, excuse me. Um, do you know where Norton Hall is?" And he just like looked at me, and I was like, he was like, "What?" It's <laughs> like Norton Hall. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, Oh, oh, it's a, oh, Norton Hall. And he said, and then he pointed and he was so confused. And I was confused. So, and like people started talking about sports, and I have no idea how to talk about sports. They talked about um, just American, popular American things that are not popular to me. Like deeper cultures. Say again. Like deeper cultural stuff. Yes. Yeah. And um, it was very confusing to me. They were speaking in English really, really fast. And I was just like, I don't know. So <laughs> as you, I mean, as you can tell, I'm a very, you know, extroverted, boisterous person. Um, as a result of that, I became quiet. I became mm. quiet. I became a recluse um, and didn't go out of my room. So for the and and when I before I came to the U.S., I did not believe in depression, like mm. literally as a concept, I did not believe in depression. Mm. And then I experienced it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to the extent that I like the food tasted like nothing. Wow. Um, and then when the Lord took me out of that depression, the food still didn't taste like nothing. Mm-hmm. Because American food is bland <laughs> compared to Filipino. <laughs> so my second culture shock is food. Um, yeah, there is you no have gone to malunggay. LA. Yeah, there's no malunggay. There's no. Uh, there's no patis. There's. There's just like bland, and they don't eat a lot of vegetables. That's funny. Yeah, one of my seminary friends. Decide or de- was deciding between Southern and mm-hmm. Golden Gate at that time, and he looked at the mm-hmm. map and he's like, the- "Southern is in the middle of nowhere. I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because yeah. of the food too." <laughs> yeah, I remember. You know, I lived in Quezon City, in the middle of the city, and like literally, you can't walk without bumping to people, uh, like into people. Like you have to like side, yeah, you know, yeah. side swipe side step, in order, yeah. race si- or side step. In order for you to be able to like go through the the streets, and then I I, I came to Southern and I'm like I I live in a ghost town. Like, where's everybody? 
Yeah. That's how I felt too when I went there. Yeah. It was like empty. <laughs> it was. But it's a big seminary. It's it's huge compared oh, to yeah. other seminaries. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious though. Um I I think you have a very interesting uh backstory and even, you know, when you moved here. Um mm-hmm. is that like what contributed to uh your current ministry now? I I know you've started a couple podcasts. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about, you know, how you how you got to that ministry? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a couple of um, ministries right now, actually. So my first first my main ministry is at the church. Uh, so what I do is I provide one on one counseling with uh, the co- so, some congregation members, but some are from outside because it's free. Um, so it's hard. You're you're going to be hard pressed to find someone who will do counseling for free, um, oh, yeah. with my expertise. Uh, but the but praise God because the church pays me, so I'm able to you know to survive on that. Mm. Um, and then my second ministry or second job description at the church actually is training lay people how to do soul care. Um, so I'm rep- the the reason that my church hired me is because they want me to replicate myself. Mm. Um, so it's actually a big church. It's a church of two thousand people, um, and so I obviously I can't do it on my own. So I actually have on Sundays we have cohort style uh, just meetings, and we we I gave them readings and um, we talk about what we read. We do case studies. We do. Um, I give them tips on how to actually, you know, provide soul care. So it's that's that ministry. I started really doing because of my passion for teaching. My parents, that's their passion, and I just picked it up. That they are very like they understand zeal. Uh, you know, people, there's a lot of pastors. If you go to the Philippines, there's a lot of pastors with no education mm. whatsoever. No oh, yeah. theological education. I, I need to clarify that. They might have high school or college degrees or even masters, but they don't have theological education. And so my parents saw fit that they bring the seminary to the pastors on the field. And that became my passion too. That's why I pursued the ADD. Um, I'm also helping with uh, my my helping my dad with training pastors and lay leaders um, in the Philippines. So we do Zoom. Uh, I zoom in, and I will start this October at 7 a.m. my time, 7 p.m. in the Philippines. Um, and uh, yeah, that's my passion because I know what it's like to be. To be on the field, like, again, I was with crew. I didn't have any education. So mm. part of the reason that I wanted to pursue counseling is because the people I'm counseling, they would ask me questions and I have no idea how to answer. It's yeah. like, I don't know why I'm so sad. I'm like, I don't know why you're sad. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what questions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you experienced that before. Oh, um, yeah. Did I answer your question for you, Aaron? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You did. yeah. Yeah. So I think in one of our previous episodes uh, with JP, we talked about, you know, this cultural struggle of Filipino Americans. 
you know, when when you move here, um, do you ever, I mean, do you have struggles like that as a Filipino American in your current context? Yeah. Um, or oh, and also, do you do you? I mean, do you identify as a Filipino American? Because I know you came here a little a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's a really interesting question because I never really thought that I would, you know, be uh, categorized as Filipino American just objectively, right? Right. Um, from the from the perspective from a social perspective um because again i said that i was intending to go back to the philippines after my after studying that was my plan but god said well you know you're gonna marry an american um and then you're gonna stay here um so that was quite i think that was quite an adjustment right it was more uh yeah i think it was it was it was a whole process of saying I, I, there was a lot of guilt, honestly. There's a lot of guilt and shame of saying, "Can I stay here? Is that okay?" Um, mm. it, I felt like I was abandoning the call in the Philippines. Oh, I see. Um, so it was a, it was like, well, I didn't, I came here. Well, did you make any then, promises to people there that you were gonna go back? Gonna so I kind of, so yes, so that that's why it was a little complicated because I was support raising. When I was support raising, I was like, I'm going to study so that when I go back, I will serve, you know, the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was struggling with that. I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, I don't know what to do here. Am I, I, I feel called to marry this man who wants to stay in the U.S. for valid reasons, right? And now you're asking me to stay here. But before I even met my husband, I was already I was already feeling the call to be here in the U.S. Mm. Um, I was again because of my background with crew. Um, I was, you know, I was kind of socialized or encouraged to be thinking about. Uh, uh, target areas i don't know if you know that word but like the field like <laughs> it's a target area or like the the mission field like what is your mission field to call okay. it the target area and for me it's always been the philippines it's always been the philippines mm -hmm. and i never saw the u.s as a target area or as a mission field is that a good and term? then yes yes okay yeah and so but then i started living here and there is people kept saying bethel we need you here like we need people like you here or we need your expertise here there's not a lot of people who would pursue an education the the way that you do and the passion as passion as you do and so it was it was definitely a struggle between god and you know me i was really really struggling but then people were like no no like god you're still fulfilling you know god's plan in your life and just go with it that made most of the people in my life were like very encouraging which is really really good um and so i think that identity or that label as filipino american was more of a conversation between not as social you know not as a social identity i'm filipino american but more so, I would say, as 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 I think about it in a mission field, mm. 
perspective of like I'm serving <laughs> America as uh, a Filipino. Does that make sense? I see, I see. So it's kind of like you're identifying with the Filipino American people group. That's what I would call it. Like people group. Yeah. So that you could uh, reach out to them. Yes, yes. So it does. I will always have that, and I use that my 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 Filipino. I my Filipino lens really and we talked about a lot of this in our class right um to critique the American culture the the church right the American culture at large but the church culture the American church culture in specific um mm-hmm. and it's very it's it keeps me from being sucked in <laughs> I don't know if you feel this way but it it keeps me from from being disillusioned really and saying, oh, this is all hard. I'm just going to give up. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I need to just stay with, with my crowd and I'm never going to engage the culture. Um, and I'm just going to stay in my lane and I'm going to keep my head down. Um, but because of that conversation, because of that struggle, I was able to say, I am a Filipino who is in America and I'm going to serve from that perspective as as a Filipino and serve the American church. Mm. And whether that may be a, like, I'm the only Filipino at my church right now. Oh, wow. Of 2,000 people. (laughs) Wow. Yes. My husband is the only Korean American. (laughs) at my church. I know that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I know it's that you being at Houston and Kuyanik being at Mar- in Maryland is like uh, almost like unthinkable, but that's that's how it is and I, I've learned that I am the diversity. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm bringing the diversity. Um and so if that makes sense, I think it's it's I don't think about it as as a social identifier although I, it might change as I stay longer here, mm. but I've I've recognized I've seen it as a an edge, um, and because I came here as an adult, as a twenty two year old, I think I just have a different perspective than people who grew up here in the U S. Right. Or mm. was born here in the U S. Or came here as a younger person. Okay. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, so you see yourself more as a Filipino living in America rather than yes. as a Filipino American. Yes, and and um, I, again, that might change. And uh, just to be, you know, I, I know that this is huge, but I think I'm holding on to that. Quite frankly, I'm holding on to that until I I apply for citizenship, which is in like six years. So <laughs> <laughs> right now, I'm processing my green card, um, and so I I think I think maybe see, talk to me in six years and see where I'm at with this, but that's yeah, how yeah. I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think right. it's a, it's, it's, there's, there's something about me is just holding on to that last mm. because yeah, I'm still growing. I mean, that's a big yeah. being, I mean, that's a big part of you that being Filipino, it's kind of interesting, you know, cause Henrik grew up here. I'm 1.5 and you're more of a little bit later. Yeah. And for me, it's yeah. like, it's also not, I don't, I mean, I consider myself Filipino-American when I'm talking to Filipino-Americans. But yes. when I'm talking to Titos, it's like, yes, 
all of a sudden, like my accent changes. <laughs> oh yes. Like the way that I act, my facial gestures change. Yes. The way that I yes. talk to them, like yes. people, oh boy, <laughs> you know. So it's yes. like I guess in the same way, like you know, um, as ministers or as as uh, people who are trying to, you know, as as Christians who are trying to reach out to Filipinos and Filipino Americans, yeah, like right. we are. I mean, we try to be whoever we need to be in order to reach people. Yes, and oh, yeah, so yeah, on yeah. the on the flip side, it's when I'm talking to Filipinos, they feel like I'm very American. <laughs> right. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's yes, the, that's the thing, though. You feel like you never belong. <laughs> yes, and so whenever I would say things, and usually. It's when they don't like what I'm saying. They're uh, saying, oh, you're too American. Uh, and I'm like, what does that mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Because I'm coming from a Christian perspective, you know. And so I think my edge that I was talking about is that I I have the benefit of being cross-cultural. That I can critique both ways. Oh, okay, okay. Does that make sense? You can I be can like critique. an outsider, right? You can look at it from the outside for both cultures. Right, right. And I, you know, when I was doing my dissertation, my dissertation focused on Southeast Asian um, students in seminaries. And it's so interesting how they also communicated those identities. Um, because there's a different difference between someone who is just coming here for school. Mm. And then there's a difference between the mindset uh, mindset of immigrants. Does that make sense? So right. I'm still switching my brain from a, the the mindset of someone who's just coming here for school and is going back, and someone who's immigrating here and staying here for good. Does right. that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. yeah. And so when I look at the American church, I'm like, mm, this is where the Filipino church could inform you. And when I look at the Filipino church, I'm like, mm, this is where the American church could inform you. Mm. And so, I, I, and I love that perspective. I'm glad not everyone has that. And I'm glad that I, I, I do. Um, and I treasure that. <laughs> I'm very protective of that, actually. Yeah, that's pretty good. You have like, you're a very, um, you, you have something that no one else can offer to the world. So I think that's really good. Yeah. Can you um, talk to us a little bit more about um, soul care? Like what what does soul care actually mean? Can you define? Yeah. So um, I define soul care as intensive discipleship. Uh, my church has different avenues where you could get discipled, like Bible studies, community groups, Sunday school, um, and like just friendships in the church. But um, into, uh, soul care or intensive discipleship is a one-on-one -on -one, I would say it's issue based so if it's like mm. uh, my pastor calls it as an emergency room uh, mm. for people who are who have struggles um, yeah so people who are str currently struggling uh, I have situations where uh, someone's spouse just died or uh, my favorite uh clients are people who are deconstructing i really love working oh. with them because i know mm. what it's like um and and then uh people in uh, cup, uh having difficulty with their marriage um yeah so pe people who can't really share their struggles in public like in bible studies or community groups um they come to me and it's more of a intimate 
conversation between the two of us. And I use scripture. I come from a Christian perspective. I use scripture um, and best practices in psychology as much as I can. Mm. Yeah, that's what so it's very. It's like a wide range of topics. Sounds like absolutely yes. But I uh, my su- I, I say this. My superpower is my referral list because. Uh, a lot of times people will come to me because I'm free and quite frankly, therapists and psychologists are are um, full right now. So I would say, oh, you need to see a psychiatrist because I don't think I can help you with your, you know, with your problems. But you can come, you can still come to me and we'll talk about the spiritual aspect of your mental health issue. Um, wow. And mm. so, uh, and and this is part of also what I'm doing is that I am thinking through a Christian perspective for the American church. Right. And then I'm thinking from a Christian perspective when I'm talking to Filipinos, because I, I also do counseling with Filipinos right. for, for the Filipinos. And hopefully in the future, as I continue to stay here, um, is for Filipino Americans. Oh, really? Because... Yes, because Filipino Americans have a unique, I mean, you know, Kuya Henrik and I have ha- had a lot of conversations about this, have unique struggles um, that I think I can I can speak into as, as someone who is who is trained in counseling, right. but also who, again, just the way that I think um, I can help them kind of hold two truths at the same time uh hmm. does that make sense yeah no, and you, so you, you got me really curious now so i know <laughs> i know you i mean you, you said you don't really work at a filipino-american church but i'm, I'm no. sure you 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 you're able to observe right you're able to see um but if you could just you know name a few yeah uh that you think you know filipino-american christians like in, in the churches uh when it comes to um like mental issue, mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would they be, and then, and how could pastors, Filipino pastors, how could they help their congregation who might be struggling with those? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest problem that I see, um, just in general, and just yeah, yeah just because we're human, is that the, our problem with emotions. We don't really know what to do with with when we if we grew up in a home where emotions are not allowed to be expressed i'm specific i'm specifically talking about negative emotions so like sadness um aren't not allowed crying is not allowed there's not a lot of hugging there's not a lot of saying i love yous and the dominant emotion that you that are being ex- that is being expressed at your in your home is anger because it's a catch-all uh, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> So there's a lot of emotional immaturity mm. and I see that in leadership. So part of my ministry too, is I minister to pastors and, uh, and, and their wives, their family, their children. And the number one cause for mental health problems and conflict is that emotional maturity. Mm. You see it a lot in, in, in Filipino churches, in the Philippines, and here as well as I'm talking to Filipino pastors or pastors of Filipino churches in America, Filipino-American churches in America, 
is that there seems to be just this fear of facing emotions, especially hard emotions, mm. because it's generational. Yeah, yeah. So when you process your negative emotions, it's not just your emotions, but it's the emotions if you're second gen, right? The emotions of your parents that you that they've never processed that's right. being passed on to you, right? Mm. And then, and then the gen the 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 your family in the Philippines if you still have family in the Philippines. So it's generational fear of processing emotions and the the hard thing about this is that christianity is a deeply emotional religion if i could if i could use that right because we connect with god we commune with god we communicate who we are we are supposed to be vulnerable before god mm. and if we're afraid the bad thing about this is you can't just pick and choose your emotions if you turn off one emotion mm. you turn off all of the emotions And so a lot of pastors are emotionally immature. And I'm coming from not from a condemning perspective, but more of so an invitation of like, hey, pastor, please, (laughs) please, please work on your emotional maturity. Yeah, yeah. How would you define the emotional maturity? Yeah, absolutely. So my my go-to book for that is Pete Scazzaro's Emotionally Spiritual uh Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Yeah. Please pick that up. It's really really good. Um I'm using that left and right. Um and so just emotional maturity is being comfortable with your emotions, both good or uh, positive what we what we call positive emotions like happy uh you know you're uh you're able to rejoice with other people and then there's the negative emotions which are disgust anger sadness um yeah if we don't if you don't feel the whole gamut of emotions you are emotionally immature mm. um mm. and you're stifling your growth because life is hard you're supposed mm-hmm. to feel sad you're supposed to feel that anger in a healthy way. Um, yeah. And a lot of that came out during the pandemic. I mean, just watch the videos of people just <laughs> <laughs> like they don't know how to express their emotions, their negative emotions. So it comes out in anger, you know, oh, yeah. and, and outbursts. Yeah. Did, did yeah. I answer your question? Yeah. 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 No, that's uh, I think that was really I think that's really helpful. Yeah, because the tendency is that, and this is what I did, and praise God that God just tore that veil away from me, is um, the veil of spirituality. That um, if I'm reading the Bible, if I'm going to church, if I'm you know doing the spiritual disciplines, or if I'm um, uh, you know sharing the gospel, praying, all of those things, I'm fine. Right. Like I don't have, and. And that's a lot of, I would say, from at least from my experience, a lot of the ooh, Filipino churches are very good with the doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the where a lot of the energy goes to. But there's not a lot of inner, inner transformation. Right. 
yeah. if I may be able to say that, um, because we don't know. That's not how we function um, as Filipinos. And but there's there's a movement. There's there's now a movement in the at least in the Philippines that of of more spiritual formation mindset that in order for you to be an effective minister of the word you have to let that sit first in your heart and let it transform you and sometimes um pastors and lay leaders who have had a difficult childhood or um had have trauma need more soul care right than uh... than others yeah because yeah. You know, if you grew up in a in a healthy, relatively, we all come from dysfunctional families. I just because of the fall, like that's just our reality. But some are more dysfunctional than others. Right? <laughs> so, so people who come from dysfunctional families tend to be more emotionally immature. So, because you didn't learn that from your family of origin, and right. so that will, if you don't, the problem is just because you're a Christian doesn't mean it goes away. I hope that's the case. I would not have a job if that were true. <laughs> but it's it's you can't mask it with just mere spirituality. Or doing. Yeah. Or doing. Right. Yeah. And those spiritual disciplines, it can help, but you're not really, you know, getting to the root of it. Right. Yeah. So I, that's most of the things that I do. Yeah, go ahead, Goya. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really good observation and because I think um, for Filipinos, if we have negative emotions, it's a shameful thing. Yes. And so I think as a shame-based culture, we don't want to bear that shame. So when we have those negative emotions, we become stoic. So we kind of like become more numb to the to the negative emotions. And then we become negative. We become like um, hard to like even positive emotions, kind of like what you said, like, yeah. You block one emotion, you block like all the emotions. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to talk about this because you just said something really insightful. And this is why this is good. And this is why I'm very passionate about uh, potentially working with Filipino American churches. Because the way that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my observations, the way Americans feel shame and experience shame, their lived experience of shame, is very different from Filipino Americans. Because the way we do counseling in, um, or the way we deal with shame in the American context is very individualistic. It's mm. just, I'm ashamed of myself, and once I deal with the shame of myself, I'm fine. In Filipino American spaces, they have to do two, they have to overcome two hurdles the mm. shame that they feel within themselves, yeah. and then the shame that they have to overcome from other people. Mm. Mm. And so it's double work. I don't know how it's landing on you guys. Right. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I think as a Filipino American, we kind of, we, we, we're like, always seeking validation from our church and other people and we also yeah so i i definitely see that where you're you can deal with it personally and you can say that jesus died for me he died for my yes. sins so so i'm clean but then i also feel dirty because i if i know that aaron knows about what i'm going through or if i know like my pastor knows what i'm going through uh i'm worried what they'll think of me so i think yes. that's a, that's spot on it 
And that's why I think Filipino-Americans churches will have a difficult time accepting soul care or someone mm. being on staff and doing counseling um, because of that shame of if someone knows about what's yeah, going yeah. on in my life, uh then this is this it, we can't i mean even my perspective i felt like when i started counseling i'm airing my i'm talking about my parents is this allowed like you know like <laughs> can i talk about my parents this is am i being disrespectful you know and but we do we do need to talk about it it's not disrespect it's actually loving um so that we can love them better that's where that's the perspective that i'm coming from it's and again it's unique for the, the ministry for Americans is very, uh, and, and Filipino Americans are, I, I would say I would approach it in two different, from two different perspectives and demeanor, because <clears throat> I would say that Filipino Americans experience a lot of shame compared to Americans, just Americans. Mm. Yeah, I think Aaron said something really interesting. He said, sometimes we mask our shame by doing more. And so that I think when I think some I think that's a, something I observe a lot is Filipino Americans who are mature in their faith, so mm-hmm. to speak, they end up doing a lot of stuff and in the church, and then they can feel burned out. So I think mm-hmm. that that's a, like a double um, a double whammy in terms of their emotional health. Like first they're having grief that they haven't dealt with or processed, but then now they're being burned out in ministry and they're worried about what other people think of them as they're serving. So could you speak a little bit about that? Like how would you counsel someone in that situation? In burnout? Yeah. Talk a little bit about, about yeah, burnout. Absolutely. Oh yes, please. Let's talk about this in Filipino <laughs> spaces, Filipino American space, because you're right because of the shame. If we, if we do anything out of fear and shame or guilt, we're going to burn out because the, the root of it is already unhealth, you know, it, it it's, it's already unhealth. But as Christians, we're called to work from love, faith, um, compassion, you know, very positive emotions, right? Um, and so I, for, for people who are burnt out, they come to me and it's like, hey, I'm burnt out. I want to quit. I want to, I just don't want to do this anymore. My first question would be, why did you get into ministry in the first place? That's my first question. I need to know their stories. And if if it comes from, and I can hear, I have ears to hear, which is, again, an edge that I have um, because of my own experiences and, and just from my background, I can hear when you're coming from a negative space, from a negative emotion. And I can say, hmm, I think I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear this from you. And is this accurate? Um, and if they say yes, then we deal with it, right? Um, and if I if they say most of the time, people are not even aware of it. And for Filipino Americans, because of the shame aspect, right? Um, they would deny it, be like, no, 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 no. Of course, I love God. No, of course, I I do this because I want to serve God's people. And I said, good, but you have to be honest with yourself. And, and you need to see really where you're coming from because that's the root of your, mm. of your burnout. And then if really they have really good, you know, really good roots um, or after we work on the root, I would say, how, is your, how are your rhythms of grace or 
uh, we call it rhythms of grace now instead of um, spiritual discipline disciplines. But that's <laughs> that's a term from the spiritual formation movement, which is rhythms of grace. How oh. do you spend time with God? Um, so again, I will I will encourage people to go to Pete Scazzaro. He has oh I don't have it here, but um, he has a devotional, forty day devotional. How oh, yeah, to yeah, yeah. from the Anglican perspective mm-hmm. they have like two minutes uh so he would encourage you to do two um two minutes of silence at the beginning of literally just being quiet um and did you know that the uh um uh, regular so, so sorry the uh what is the word average adult american can only sit still for two minutes <laughs> so just two minutes um and I, I wonder how much for filipinos um but for two minutes um you're going to stay still and quiet and then there's a passage then there's a devotional then there's a question there's a prayer and then there's a two minutes of silence you can do it in just in in 15 minutes actually so i i'm i'm starting to do that um and it's really good i cry all the time and uh it's good. Crying is healthy, guys. Uh, <laughs> feeling your emotions yeah. is it's 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 good. So that's how I would, uh, and, and that's how I would approach. Yeah, burnout. The problem of burnout. Yeah. Could you could you share about the um, negative space? Like, if someone's coming from a negative space, can you give an example of someone yeah, who's serving because so, they came from a negative space? Sure. So I'll just use my own example, right? So. Um, because of my trauma, I acted out of, I did a lot of stupid things, a lot of sinful things. So my motivation for ministry then was to kind of prove myself, uh, okay. to kind of redeem myself instead of, of, of saying I am in Christ and in him there is no condemnation. Mm-hmm. But again, that that shame, the public shame, the shame coming from other people who knew how much I messed up. Um, I kind of had to prove myself to them. So a lot of the, at the beginning of my ministry, which I praise God for just, again, just scraping that off, stripping that off, nipping it from the uh, bud, you know, all of the, all of those words, uh, idioms that I can use. And now I can say there's still a tinge of it. And I can tell whenever I'm working from that space of trying to prove myself, trying to people please because mm. that was kind of the result of that motivation that i please people i'm so afraid of of conflict i'm so afraid of constructive criticism so afraid um and so i would exert myself do and even some of the motivation for my schooling is that i feel i have such low self-esteem and if only people knew who I really was, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't, they wouldn't allow me to serve in their churches. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm going to educate myself and I'm going to buff up, you know, my uh, CV. So yeah. as a shield and that praise God early on in seminary, God was like, no, no, you're not going to work from that. You're going to work from my grace. You're going to work from the fact that I have redeemed you. The fact that I have called you, not because of the things that you've done. I am the one who redeemed you and I will continue to redeem you and I will continue to qualify you for ministry. 
And so mm-hmm. once I got got out of that, oof, it's so freeing. <laughs> really, really freeing. Wow. Yeah, thanks for sharing your example. Now yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking more about myself now like <laughs> I, mean, <Yeah>. I need <laughs> I need to process my emotions yeah. and see where see where my roots are in. So, sure. thanks for sharing. It's- so important it's so curious for everybody it's not just for emergencies everybody needs to go through that process of like processing your family of origin your motivations your understanding of scripture because guess what your understanding of the gospel is very much tainted and impacted and just informed by mm-hmm. your past it yeah, doesn't yeah. it just doesn't go away I wish it mm-hmm. did, but it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I also it also helps give me more uh, practical ways I can deal with my wife. So sometimes <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, like that I see sounded s- so wrong. <laughs> 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 what? Just, what? We, we got you. We got, <laughs> we got you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I I see Sarah sometimes she's crying and then mm. I, as a Filipino I'm like. No, we can't. We can't have crying. We're, like that's not good. But I think now that we're now that I'm hearing this, I'm like, okay, maybe I should. I shouldn't be so afraid of seeing her cry about and grieve about stuff. So that's good. Yeah, I think you should be scared when she stops crying. Oh yeah, <laughs> because yeah. that means she's not feeling her emotions. Because I'm the same way. I cry at everything, literally everything. My husband was like, "Why are you crying?" And I'm like, "Listen, be afraid." When I'm supposed to be crying and there are no tears. Oh yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of creepy. <laughs> that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of creepy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It reminded me of. Do you guys know Uncle Roger? Oh yeah, Uncle Roger, the the, the YouTuber. Yeah, the comedian. Oh yeah. Who's always yeah. making fun of Gordon Ramsay, and he's always like, you know, he's always injecting these like Asian cultural stuff yes. oh yeah so yeah, yeah push yeah. that down like you know how we yeah. push our emotions down <laughs> and then like yes. there was a there was a scene where the, uh, the guy was like cutting garlic and like yeah, garlic yeah lots of garlic we yeah. Asians we treat our, our children like garlic they're never enough I've heard I've seen that one. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh but anyways yes. Uh, yes. that was awesome <laughs> yeah, thanks, Bethel. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Yeah. Also, I wanted to um, talk, like, because we all, all the three of us, we took a class with um, Fuller Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. So we took. It was a class called uh, Filipino American Ministry and Context. And um, yeah, shout out to the Centric Podcast and the Filipino American Ministry Initiative at Fuller, uh, led yes. by our friends there, uh, Dr. J and Eleanor. So we talked a lot about different Filipino-American things like history, colonization, the Filipino-American war, and ethnographic research on the Filipino diaspora at um, in Houston and Washington. Mm-hmm. So I know it's been like over a year that we took that, but um, do you want to share some of your major takeaways from that class? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I actually miss it <laughs> so much because I, I, I have Filipino friends here, but we don't go to the same church. My Filipino friends um, go to also an, a very, very Caucasian church. So when we see each other, just like hugging, like we're speaking uh. Filipino <laughs> and all of that, that, those things. But my biggest takeaway there was um, 
the the atrocities i think of the americans oh, to yeah. the filipinos during the war wars mm, the wars i yeah. did not learn that um in school mm. we never mm. talked about it in so filipino were, school like in your school yes in, in, in yes yes we didn't oh, learn that's about those things well because the because of the the filipino educational system was established by americans so of course yeah, you're yeah. not gonna put that in the curriculum, right? <laughs> um, so that was one of my biggest takeaways. Um, I think the concept too, as conservative um, Christians, uh, we kind of shy away from liberal I- ideologies, which is good, right? But also sometimes detrimental to us because they have some good things to say, like decolonization mm. was a huge help to me as I'm also thinking about um, is my view of God American or Christian? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or Filipino, right? <laughs> and again, <laughs> I think that that dynamic interaction between American and Filipino kind of helped me get to the, to the middle because the truth is always somewhere in the middle of mm-hmm. two extremes. Right, so right. I was able to say, well, you know, the Filipino church doesn't do this. So this is not just, this is not merely Christian. This is cultural. And then I would say, oh, you know, the American church, you know, doesn't do this. So it's probably Filipino. Oh. And and what they do, what they do, what they what they have in common is their belief in Jesus Christ as, you know, God's son who came to the world to save us from our sins. Then that's like, oh, yeah, that's Christian. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But that, that class helped me to decolonize my thinking because, um, and JP could talk more about this, you know, of, of how American theology came to the Philippines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right and wiped away our filipino sensibilities really and the, mm-hmm. and the filipino way of thinking about god yeah, yeah um yeah. and so that concept of decolonization was very helpful for me um just personally and and the way that i approach my spirituality um yeah i grieved a lot during that period um which is good for my soul and then i really went back to the bible and said okay god okay so so how do i how do i think about this differently from this perspective mm. but be- i can only a warning i can only do that safely i could say because without losing the essence of the gospel i have a lot of training how to do that um so it's not for it has to be done in community with a lot of training in theology and with a lot of faith not everyone should do decolonization on their own mm. yeah because you can get, you can really can get lost in that yes you can get lost in that you can get really bitter really quickly oh yeah, yes yeah. and that's why the key to not being bitter is grieving the antidote to anger really is feeling the sadness and then grieving. Mm. And so that's what I did um, is I grieved instead of becoming angry at the current Americans, you Uh, know, mm -hmm. I I would say, yes, that was really bad. 
and the Lord allowed that to happen. But we need to move forward and do better, right? Um, and so that that was very encouraging. Finally, it helped me to it it empowered me and encouraged me to be uh, a Filipino thinker, Filipino American thinker. Again, I have these Filipino Filipino American you know um, ways of thinking. Um, and so a lot of my projects are aimed at Filipinos and Filipino Americans, even though I'm in Americans, like dominantly white, predominantly white spaces, because they already have a lot of resources, but there's not a lot for Filipino American mm-hmm. and, um, and Filipinos. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I see, I think I see what you're saying is like the decolonization concept kind of helped you see the American theology you learned in the Philippines is actually an American theology. And then you kind of strip away the American culture. And then that's kind of like helping you in your current um, cultural identity because you can kind of navigate between the two cultures. So I think this class kind of helped you see like what is more of a Christian culture, even though it's hard to like figure that out exactly. Right. Because we all have a cultural background, but I think your background kind of helps and, and then um, critiquing both cultures Absolutely. and then seeing what is the what really comes from the Bible and, and kind of like that right. kingdom culture, right? Right. Absolutely. Where the funny thing is, I've been doing that, not knowing that that's the label for what I was doing, but also not knowing that it's actually discouraged in conservative circles. Oh, and again, yeah. Fuller is very <clears throat> liberal, right, in terms of their theology. <laughs> Um, but I learned so much, and that's why part of the way that I think because of my cross-cultural identity is that why don't we learn from, you know, the American church can learn from the Filipino church, and the Filipino church can learn from the American church, and what else, what other seemingly opposite truths can we help bridge that gap you know, from conservatives and liberals, what can they learn from each other? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. What can we learn? What can Baptists learn from Anglicans? What right. can Lutherans learn from Catholics? You know what I'm saying? Like there's, <laughs> that's the way I think because of my background. And so it's right. so easy for me. It, most of the time we're just so, uh, so narrow-minded. Of this is the way, this is the way, Right. But there's so many other ways. <laughs> there's so many way, other ways to think about this. Yeah, yeah. And so I think my encouragement to the Filipino American church is that we are sometimes set in our ways and that that's what makes it difficult for really for ministry. Um, but you have to open up your eyes and see there are so many other ways that we can approach this problem or this issue. And don't be afraid to engage other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's good that we took the class because, frankly, most mm-hmm. Filipino Americans growing up here are on the liberal side. So really, I did not I, know yeah, that. I think so. Um, if you come here earlier, then you're most likely more conservative. I mean, again, it's just general, broad, broad strokes. Sure. I can never say sure. That. But um, but yeah, I think. Um, it's it's good that you were able to when you took that class basically it gave you 
the lens or it, it helped you mm-hmm. recognize that maybe some of the things you're looking at in the Bible, you're not looking at it with a biblical lens. It's more of just an American lens. Yes. Right. And then now you can also say, yes, maybe I'm looking at this in a, like a Filipino lens. Right. Not really well, from the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So an example of this, again, is the shame. So I was doing systematic theology with the world-renowned, I'm not going to name him, but the world-renowned <laughs> systematic theologian. And he was talking mostly about guilt right. and the gospel. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. just like, yes, but there's something missing. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Shame. And then in Dr. Jonathan Pennington, I'm going to name him because he's amazing. Um, Dr. Pe- Jonathan Pennington's class, he talked about shame and honor. And that clicked. And I'm like, yes, that's where I live. So I'm reading. Are you reading him? Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Jackson Wu. Um, yes, uh, I I love him. <laughs> I love. I have all his books and... I have to refresh my mind, you know, of reading his books because it's, again, the way that Filipino Americans feel shame is very different from the way Americans deal with it. And so even our preaching of the gospel, we have, we don't have to alter, but we have to contextualize um, our understanding of the, of, and and the way we preach the gospel. We can go on and on and about this guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, interestingly, I was listening to a, Tim Keller uh, sermon the other day and he was talking about how the gospel not only changes us but changes how we deal with our community mm. which I think I mean you were asking earlier like how what what we think about you know how we feel community shame basically I don't know if we can use that term yeah yeah but I think yeah I mean in a way uh, uh, maybe Filipino American pastors don't have um, uh psychologist in their team and i think part of that is probably like thoroughly thinking about how you could apply the gospel in that in that area of life where yeah what about when i'm embarrassed to go to this birthday party because this tita is here or this person that i just yeah i yeah. just wronged is there you know and i think yeah, yeah i mean preach about how the gospel changes yeah. not just you but also the community how you deal with the community I think you yeah. kind of talked about this also where you're not coming from a negative space. You're coming from yeah. God's grace. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. But that's hard to do when when the people around you are shaming you. Right. Right. And so I had to actually be away from that from that context to heal. Right. Because that's another thing that I I went through is that I healed from the wounds of of being shamed in that context. Right. Because then when I started sharing here in the U.S., the things that are taboo in the Philippines is more accepted here, you know. And so I was freely able to talk about it without shame. And that was very healing to me. Um, mm, yeah. And I didn't think that it was going to happen in the Philippines. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Bethel. I, I know we could uh, talk a lot, but we don't want to take too much <laughs> of your time. <laughs> and hopefully we could like, invite you to another episode. Yeah. So yeah, thanks again for joining us. And um, thank you to the listeners who have been listening to us up to this point. Right. So you can find Bethel and hear more of her topics on her and topics on her heart at the Grow Deep podcast. And yeah. we'll have that linked in the description. And is there anywhere else that people can find you, Bethel? Yeah, you can um, find me on Instagram at uh, Dr. Dr. Bethel Webb. 
Um, and please, if you, uh, this is a shout out to everybody. If, if you need to be connected to a counselor or a therapist and you don't know where to start, please message me and I can help you. I can help you get that started. Um, and I offer services as well for free right now. Um, and so I do, I do zoom calls. If you just want someone to talk to outside of your community, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, my email is Bethel.anneb at gmail.com. Put that so, in the description. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to talk because this is really where my heart is. Um, serving the Filipino American community, even though I'm not in those spaces. Um, it will always have a special spot in my heart. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah. for your podcast and your ministry and um, more power to you all. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Bethel. Appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Bethel. Yeah, thank you. Of thanks course. for joining us. Yeah. yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.